Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. But one of the basic premises of this series is that the character gaps that I see in others, which are pretty easy to spot, right? Clue me in to who I need to be for them. Not to fix them, we know that we can't fix other people, but for me to represent Christ. It's the greatest honor and purpose that I've been given in life is to make a difference for Jesus. And so we have to be the change agents, we have to be the the people who are leading the way. We're the thermostats, we're not the thermometers in our society, right? And so that's what this series is all about, that yes, there are problems with people, but God's called you and me to be the change agents and to act differently. And so today we're talking about a topic that, man, just rings true with everybody and really has a huge effect on relationships. And it's this fact that the problem with people is that that they just don't slow down. And I think this is more true than it has ever been in our lives. People just don't slow down. But I want to put a little bit of a positive spin on it today. And so in response, we're going to talk about how to create margin in our life. Because saying, you know, oh, you just need to slow down, especially for somebody of my personality, that just feels like such a downer, right? But creating margin feels way more purposeful, right? And so, uh, but there, there really is this dichotomy when it comes to our time and how we use it. Because on one hand, our moments really matter in life. Because once a moment passes, you'll never get it back. And this is why we have this, this slang these day, days, it's called FOMO. And so if you don't know FOMO, it's, it's the fear of missing out. And man, this is super prevalent. People just, they, they fill their calendar and they do everything all the time because they're just so afraid they're gonna miss out on something. But here's the dichotomy. If you fill every moment, moments lose their meaning. Let that sink in. If you've filled every single moment of your calendar in your life, then the moments tend to lose their meaning because your mind and your heart and your spirit cannot catch up from one moment to the next because there's no margin. We also have a a cultural propensity to fall into the comfort trap. Like whatever's best for me, Whatever's best for me. And so any margin that we create and any, any adjustment to our schedule that we make, you know, it, it's really all about us and our comfort. But that doesn't really jive with the concept of sacrifice that we talked about last week, now does it? And so there has to be this intentionality, this purposeful approach, having Jesus at the center and really wanting to glorify him is in all the weeks through this series, is, is the point. We wanna make a big deal about Jesus with our lives. You know, I saw a meme on Facebook this last week that said, adult friendships are hard because everyone is really, really tired. <laughs> Has anybody experienced that? It's like, um, you know, maybe when you were younger in college, relationships were amazing. And then you, you got a full-time job and you maybe had some kids and it's like, I'm so exhausted all the time. I can't even think about, you know, friendships. I'm, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. 
But that's just a, a great example of what life is like. Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's multitasking. No one has time for each other. We say things like, I wish I had a best friend if only I had the time, right? We get this Eeyore complex. It's like everything is just doom and gloom. And the, the pace doesn't help any, does it? You think about Starbucks. Man, years ago, the whole point of Starbucks and the whole point of the coffee shop experience used to be, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna slow down, I'm gonna have an interaction, I'm gonna enjoy a nice beverage, I'm gonna have a conversation, I'm, I'm gonna just chill for a little bit. Now, people pop in and pop out, it's like, <laughs> they're in, they're out, and if their drink isn't ready, their mobile order, they're like, what is going on here? Come on, Starbucks, where's my drink? I ordered it 20 minutes ago on the app, right? Can't happen fast enough. And the people that do wanna slow down that go to Starbucks, they have to slow way down because of all the mobile orders. Come on, I'm just, I'm just ranting a little bit right now. The drive-through wasn't enough. You know, because you have to stop in the drive-thru. You know, have you, uh, is it just me or have you ever been sitting in the drive-thru and somebody obviously gets so frustrated with how long it's taken that they just peel out of the drive-thru line and just leave? Has anybody ever seen that? Okay, case in point. It's, we're, we're a mess, right? Road rage in the drive-thru, I'm stuck in line. And so some of those drive-thrus, they, they put that big curb and you literally can't get out unless you've got the four by four truck and you're like dum, 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 over the curb and, and you're like, I'm out of here, right? Next thing you know, you won't even have to stop in the drive-thru. You'll just drive through and they'll just dump it on your head as you go through. You don't, you don't even stop, right? Now don't get me wrong, I love fast. I love to walk fast, I love to run fast, I love to talk fast. I'm getting older, so I'm not running as fast. But I love fast, I get it. And in, the, in this brave new world that we have, boundaries between work and family are disappearing. It's just go, 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 go. Everyone is mobile. Every moment of the day is scheduled. Daycare, school, after school activities, 10 or 12 hour work days, then work before we go to bed at night, extra work, extra this, extra that, and we're exhausted. Because if you're not filling every moment of your life with something, then what in the world are you doing? Right? That's how we feel, isn't it? But here's the relational truth and how this applies to your relationships. I know for me that the people that add value to my life have margin. The people that add the most value to my life have margin. And the times that I'm able to add value to others is in the margins. Because we all have work to do, we've all gotta make a living, we all gotta put food on the table, so we're not talking about cutting that out, you can't. You know, the biblical principle of if you don't work, you don't eat is kind of a big deal. We're talking about the margins. It's where the difference is made. And if you create margin in your life, you're gonna be so much more pleasant to be around. Trust me, not gonna be rushed all the time. And as I preach this message today, just know that I am a work in progress and working on this myself. We're in this together. But the Bible is very clear about how hurry and busyness and a frantic pace of life really affects you. And so let me share some of the, the side effects of a hurried lifestyle. And you can see how many of these are, are present in your own life. So when I am hurried, number one, fill out your notes today, I feel more stress. Why? Because I wasn't made to live this way. 
You see, when, when you don't have any time to care for yourself and to, to, to invest in your relationship with Jesus, the stress piles up. Jesus himself said in Luke 12, 25, he said, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, they can't. The second thing we see is that I lose my joy when I'm hurried all the time. The faster you move in life, the less time you have to enjoy the life that God has given you. And he wants you to enjoy it. He came to give you life and life to its fullness. Job 9.25 says, my life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness. Anyone ever feel like that? Like it's just moving too fast. My son Jason's gonna graduate this year and let me tell you, it is moving too fast. When was the last time you just felt genuine, true joy in your life, full of purpose? You know, I, so say some, I, I know that some people say things like, well, we shouldn't rest, the devil never sleeps. You know, we, we just gotta keep going. And I would just kindly ask you, since when was the devil your model? <laughs> right? God took time to rest. God took time to enjoy what he had made. And he teaches us to enjoy the things that he's made. You know, after all, Jesus slept in the boat during a storm. Come on. But we think, oh, I can't sleep. I, I just, I'm just worried too much. I'm too stressed. I, I got too much going. Third thing, when I'm hurried, I am less productive. All day, every day. You think the faster you, you go and the more, you, the more you get done. Like, if I do more and I go faster, I get more done. But the truth is, the faster you go, the less productive you become. It's the law of diminishing return, that your ability to produce a helpful thought or contribution decreases the longer that you work. Did you know that a lack of sleep, when you don't get proper sleep, it can be the equivalent in your body as being drunk? You need rest. You're less productive if you don't get to rest. Proverbs 21.5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. You've got to plan your life, and you've got to work hard. But when you start trying to take shortcuts, getting things stuff done too fast, not scheduling enough time for the right things in your life, you're less productive. God didn't make you to be the energizer bunny where you keep going and going and going and going. He made you to be the kind of person who needs that recharging time in life, kind of like that Wally movie where his little, his little solar panel comes out and it's like, Ching! right? You need that. You cannot keep charging without recharging. Can't do it. Proverbs 19.2 says, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. You will be less productive if you just keep hurrying around like a chicken with your head cut off. Number four, when you are hurried, this is the worst of them all. You can't hear God. When I am hurried, I can't hear God. Jesus said that his words are life. Think about that. I love our, our youth um, group, and they went to a, a retreat this past weekend with some other youth groups in the area, had a great time, and the theme of the retreat was be still. Be still and know that I am God. What a powerful verse, right? 
And it's so true. That man, when we don't slow down to hear the words of Jesus in our life, our life is not as good. John 6, 63 says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I'm God. Listen, when you slow down, you miss out on, or when you don't slow down, you miss out on life. When is the last time that you took time to be still so that God could tell you what he really wants to tell you? Because he wants to tell you that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he hurts about what you're going through, that he has a plan for your situation. You know, he wants to say, here's the wisdom. Here's the strength that you need. Here's the joy that you need. I'm here and I'm everything that you need, but you can't hear it because you're running so fast and you don't hear God. So sometimes we're so busy we can't hear the most important things that we need to hear in life. And so because of all these reasons, we're going to talk about the effects of busyness today and we're going to slow down and talk through the word slow as an acrostic. These are four principles that spell out the word slow and this is going to be how to create margin in your life. And so number one, how do we create this margin? How do we slow down in our life? Number one, you've got to stop the constant push for more. You got to stop the constant push for more. And does this mean that we don't try to do things, that we don't try to advance? No, that's not what I'm saying. Hear me out. But if you are serious about honoring Jesus with your lifestyle, you're going to have to deal honestly with your motivations and your values. What motivates you? Everything else is superficial until you deal with the, the, your motives and your values deep in your heart. What is it that drives you to constantly be pushing for more? Why must you always have more achievement in your career, more money in the bank, more activities in your schedule, more experiences, thrills, and pleasures? What is it that drives you to have more? You see, God is really clear that he gives you things for your enjoyment. But when those things that he give us, gave us be the driving, when those become the driving force of our life, we get it backwards. And we have to step back and say, what are my true motivations? Am I, just, is, am I pushing for more for more stake just so I can have more? Or do I have a purpose and an intentional plan that God has given me? for the advancement in my life. Listen, there's nothing wrong with more, but the why you want more is really, really, really crucial. Ambition can be a powerful force for good, but not all ambition is good. Bad ambition can actually destroy lives, destroy families, and destroy marriages. Why? Because the pursuit of more prioritizes things that aren't right in front of you people in your life the people in your life that's why not everybody that is a high achiever should be admired they may be achieving things for all kinds of unhealthy reasons or wrong motives they could be driven by guilt resentment fear revenge ego pride anger they could be trying to live vicariously through others High achievers are sometimes, not always, but sometimes the most insecure people that you'll ever meet. Just trying to prove themselves, 
You know, we're trying to get people to love us. And we think, if I do this, if I achieve this level, then, then people will, will respect me, right? And we try to prove our worth by what we do. But listen, and this is the key to, to slowing down and, and stop the constant push for more. As long as you confuse your worth with your work, you're going to be so stressed out. You are worthwhile because God made you, because Jesus loves you and he died for you. That's why you are valuable as a human being. And so what do we do? The starting point in slowing down the pace of your life is not just to clear your schedule and do nothing. (laughs) That's not the point at all. That's a superficial Band-Aid. It's a Band-Aid approach because you can always find other things to do and you will fill your calendar with other things. The starting point is to become content with who you are and what you have. If you don't start from a place of contentment, then the motive behind why you want more will always be skewed. It will always be skewed. You first have to say, I'm worth something, I'm valuable because Jesus loves me, he died on the cross for me, and I'm content with what he's given me. And anything that he puts in my hand from this moment forward is gonna be glory to him. And it's gonna be used for his glory, amen? Until you do that, you're always gonna be driven to take on more, you're gonna push for more, and you're not gonna you know, get out of the stress cycle. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says, it's better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time, right? The other key is to stop comparing. You've just gotta stop it. You know, sometimes we look around and we say, look what they've got, look what they're doing. Oh, I'm just so jealous. Their life is so Instagram perfect, right? But when you compare and compete, you live in defeat. Proverbs 14.30 says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Ouch, right? So you cannot be relaxed and jealous at the same time. You cannot be relaxed and be in a comparing, a competitive mode at the same time. You've got to stop the constant push for more. Second thing that you need to do if you're gonna slow down is you gotta learn to say no. You gotta learn to say no. A lot of us are addicted to lifestyles of going faster and faster and how important it makes us feel. And if our schedule is full and we got a lot of stuff, we're like, oh, we're really important, right? But we just gotta learn to say no. Many of us really have a hard time with that, including me. We say yes to too much. We become slaves to the urgent at the name of good, right? But Proverbs 20, 25 in the message says, an impulsive vow is a trap. Later, you wish you could get out of it. Anybody ever done that before? They said yes, and, and, then, and then even a few minutes later, they're like, facepalm, why did I do that? I should have never said yes, right? When I saw that person coming towards me, I should have just ran the other way. Well, maybe don't do that. Just learn to look him in the eye and say, oh, no, I'm sorry, I can't. We've got to do it. Jesus said to count the cost, to carefully and prayerfully make your commitments, How many of you know it's always easier to get in than it is to get out? To get into debt rather than get out of debt. To get into a relationship rather than get out of the relationship. It's easier to get into trouble 
than it is to get out of the trouble. It's easier to gain weight than to lose the weight. It's easier to fill up the schedule than it is to cut back on the schedule. So we have to decide, just because I could do it, doesn't mean I should do it. And there's times that I just have to say no. One of the reasons we have a difficult time with this is because we just don't want to admit to anybody or ourselves that we have limits. Limits. You've got limits. There's just, there's only so much you could do. There's only so much I can do. And because we don't recognize our limits, those closest to us usually suffer. But no, saying no, can be the best word in the world for the things that matter most in your life, for loving your family, for serving Jesus, for having margin to help others when needed. And so when we're faced with a choice or an activity, the question we have to ask ourselves is, if I'm gonna do this, is it worth it? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my energy? Is it worth my life? Does it align with the purpose that Jesus has given me to serve him? The only thing that I don't say no to, that's not on the table to say no to, is my time with Jesus. I'm gonna protect that with everything that I have, and that's the, that's the only thing in my life that is always and forever a yes, is spending time with him. Number three, the fourth letter of the word slow. I've gotta obey the, the fourth commandment. I gotta do it. Some of you are like, Joe, I, I know there was a 10 commandments, but I have no idea what the fourth one is. So let's read it in Exodus 29 through 10. It says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So rest in your life, and not just that, but dedicating it to God, is so important that God put it in the Big Ten. Right up there with don't steal, don't murder, don't commit adultery. He's saying six and one. Work six days, but one day a week is mine. Many of you, you, you know, you say, well, I'm never going to murder anybody, and I'm, never gonna, and I'm not going to commit adultery, and I'd never have an affair, but, uh, but you violate the fourth commandment repeatedly. And God says it's just as important. It's in the top ten. And they don't decrease in importance the further you go down the list. Like one is really important, but as you go down the list, it's like, oh, they're a little bit less important. No, it doesn't work like that. They're all important. And so let's talk about it practically. When should you take your Sabbath? Jesus said it didn't matter. That it's not about which day of the week that is the most important thing. It's about your heart. For instance, Sunday for me as a pastor is no Sabbath, right? It's a, it's a work day for me, and so I have to choose another day in my week to take my Sabbath. What are you supposed to do on your Sabbath? You know, what we usually do is, is the honey-do list, play catch-up, you know, get some stuff done that we couldn't get done on the other days. That's not taking a day off. This is violating the spirit of one of the Ten Commandments. And so you should use your day off, your weekly Sabbath, for three things. Number one, you got to rest your body. you got to do it. You're not wired to go 24-7 all the time. Your brain and your body is not built for that. It will shut down. Have you ever discovered that if you don't take time off, your body will make time off? Has anybody ever gone through that season in your life where it's just like, it just stopped? 
And you, you, you didn't have any control over that. Number two, you gotta use the day to recharge your emotions. You can't keep charging without recharging. You're gonna drain the battery dead, right? And so this is when I get a short fuse and I start to snap at the kids and, and snap at Jolie, God forbid, you know, because I'm just like, I'm, 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 I'm done. And so you gotta recharge those emotions. What, what does that? I know for me, quietness recharges my emotions. Solitude. When was the last time that you just sat by yourself without the TV or the phone and you just sat in silence and just recharged and just let the Spirit of God minister to you? Another thing that recharges us is being with people that we love, that we relationally connect with. Recreation can be rejuvenating. I know that's one thing that I do on my Sabbath is I, I get out and I take a really nice long run because I love it and it recharges my mind and my body. I love it. Some of you say, man, well, Joe, I just feel really guilty when I relax. Um, and, and truthfully, I had, I had that kind of day yesterday. My kids were at the retreat and I, I had done my run and and I had spent the morning with a friend from out of town that just came, came through to, to see me, and so it was awesome, and then I was just home. And I was like, well, maybe I should do this job, maybe I should do that job, and you know, I was, I was like, no, I'm just gonna sit, I'm just gonna chill out. And you know what? I felt guilty, I did. And then I, told, I said to myself, what in the world is wrong with me, <laughs> right? What in the world is wrong with me that I would sit here and feel guilty for not doing anything? But that's where we're at. That's where I'm at. That's where you're at. That, that if we just sit down and don't do anything, we start to you know, feel guilt. How about you turn that time into an amazing time to recharge in the presence of God? Jesus never apologized for getting away. We shouldn't either. And then number three, and this is most important, on, on your Sabbath, you gotta refocus your spirit. Refocus your spirit. And here's a great, great way to remember this one. Big problems become small problems in the God's presence. I had put this in my notes and then Jolie was telling me like that that, that very thought was a part of her teaching with the kids uh, back there today. And I'm like, hey, it's meant to be. Big problems become small problems in the presence of God. This is what happens when you get alone with Jesus. Everything in your life gets in perspective and the things that were weighing you down so heavy start to look so small in the light of God's amazing presence. Amen? If you are too busy for God, you are too busy. And not only that, you're missing out on life, on purpose, on your relationship with Jesus and a huge aspect of it. Psalm 127.2 in the message says, if it, it is useless, underline that word, it's useless to rise up early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know that God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? This is a God loves you thing. This is a God wants the best for you thing. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for that? Listen, and we're not sugarcoating anything. Following Jesus is really, really hard. 
It's going to include sacrifice. It's going to include surrender. It's going to include you dying to your flesh and taking up your cross daily and following Jesus. It's hard. So why in the world would you skip the best gift that God has ever given you, which is to rest and let him minister to you? Don't do it. Don't do it. One of the tragic things about when we do hurry through life and we don't take our Sabbath and we don't rest is, is that we, you know, it's so damaging to our children and our families in ways that we can't even imagine. Your kids don't just want more time with you. They want you to be fully present in the time that you do have together. And so if the time you spend together doesn't have you mentally present, physically energized and ready to rock and roll, then what is it? They could care less if you're spending time together, but you're a million miles away mentally, right? And so if you're not spending time in the presence of God, letting him give you strength that you didn't know you could have and just being rejuvenated by his presence, then you're not preparing yourself for the most important things in your life. And if you don't slow down your lifestyle by choice, circumstances will force you to eventually. And you can count on that. Because God's rhythm is just what works. Six and one. Six and one. The last thing that we have to do, we'll close with this today. The W stands for to wait for God's timing. Wait for God's timing. And the reason that we get in a hurry so much of the time is that we're impatient. And impatience, all impatience is, is basically a lack of trust in God. That we really don't believe that God has our best interest at heart. Now the Bible is really clear. That God has a plan, a unique plan for your life. And God also has a unique timetable for fulfilling that plan in your life. The rub comes when, when he never tells us the timetable. And I don't know about you, but the longer I've been serving Jesus, that doesn't mean he, he gives me the timetable more often. If anything, he gives me less of a timetable and just more of a, a general direction to point in, and I have to trust more than I ever had before. Right? So that my faith will continue to grow. So we got to wait for God's timing. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Isn't that beautiful? Do you have eternity planted in your heart? All of time and all of creation God put there so that you would know that this life is not all there is. And yet we treat this life as the most important thing in the world. And it gets frustrating not knowing the timetable, not knowing what God is doing. Why won't God just tell me his plan in advance, right? Because he wants you to trust him. Because he wants you to, to hunger and lean into his presence. And if you knew it all in advance, there wouldn't be any faith involved, right? There's no trust involved. But if you want to get serious about slowing down the pace of your life, then you need to trust that God has a plan for your life. 
And part of that, and I'm so excited for some of you because it's time for you to begin here today. Part of this is getting to know Jesus personally. Getting to know him personally. Knowing Jesus. And letting that be the the most important thing in your life. And so what do you do in the meantime while you're waiting and while you're seeking God? and, And what does life look like? It looks like you have an amazing, it looks like you having an amazing relationship with Jesus. Habakkuk 2.3 says, the vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. God's promises and God's plans for your life are absolutely sure. We just lose patience. We just lose trust. But I wanna encourage you, the things that you are waiting for and you are trusting God for may not show up in this life, but you will enjoy them for all of eternity if you hold on to your relationship with Him, amen? Faithfulness in the meantime is the whole point of your entire life. We're always concerned about the destination, reaching this level, doing this thing, you know, all this other junk. But faithfulness in the meantime, in the waiting, is the most important thing that you could ever do in your relationship with Christ. Why? Because the destination that God is calling you towards is not this life. Let that sink in today. This this world is not your home. Jesus is preparing a place for you in heaven to live with him for all of eternity. But, and this life is not all there is. And so we gotta wait for God's timing. Listen, you can find abundant life in the journey, in this life. But this life is not the destination. Does this make sense today? It's not the destination. Because some of you are still just so bound up. Well, God, God said he was going to do it. He hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done it yet. Oh, oh my dreams are not fulfilled yet. It's like, it's like you're, you're on a race to fulfill your dreams. And if that's where you're at, I would just encourage you today to rest in the plans and the presence of God. Just rest in it. He's bigger. He's bigger. And so are you tired today from living an overloaded life, an out-of-balance life, a frantic, hectic life? Take the first step today and say, God, I want to give it all to you. I want to give it all to you. Here's the good, the bad, the ugly of my life. Take all the pieces of my life. Take my schedule. Take my ambitions. Take my dreams. Take my why. Take my accounts. Take my hopes. Take my goals and my faults and my failures take it all this is where it begins this is where it begins i love the message version of psalm 51 10 you know you you may have heard this verse creating me a clean heart oh lord right but in the message it says god make a fresh start in me shape a genesis week from the chaos of my life isn't that beautiful you see, following Jesus isn't just about, isn't just about you know, your salvation moment. That's incredibly important. But he wants to take your whole life and the chaos of it and, and do something new. Do something new in it, right? Amen? 
And so where are you at today? If you could bow your heads and close your eyes, maybe you're here today and you say, Joe, I wanna, I wanna begin a relationship with Jesus because I know that it's in him I could find life. I want, I want to give my life to him because of, of you know, that communion time that we went through today when we talked about how, you know, how much he went through on the cross for me, how he rose again on the third day. I want my whole life, my time, my schedule, my, 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 my motivations, all of it to serve Jesus. And you're ready to begin that kind of relationship with Jesus today. And so if you're here today and you just say, Joe, I want to surrender it all. You know, I had only given God a, maybe a, a part of my life, but today is my surrender all moment. If that's you today and you want to give your heart and your life to Christ, just raise your hand and say, God, here's my life. Here's my life. Here I am. I surrender to you completely. Amen. If you raised your hand, you can put it down. And I want to encourage you at your seat today to pray a simple prayer. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That you admit that you're a sinner and you need a savior and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life and to begin a new journey with him. So right at your seat, you can do that. You can say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again, and I give you my life. I want to start following you with everything that I am. Amen. Amen. If you're making that choice to follow Jesus today, um, we've got a, a, a bag of resources and whatnot. We've got a Bible for you in the lobby, and we'd love for you to take that home with you today to get started in your relationship with Christ. But for the rest of you, maybe you're following Christ and, and it's time to get some margin in your life, to create some margin. And maybe you're like me and just saying slow down. It's like, I don't want to slow down, right? But maybe living life more intentionally, creating some margin is, is what you need to do. And you're really feeling convicted of that this morning. So could we all just stand to our feet and pray a closing prayer today? And if that's you and you say, Joe, man, I need to, I need to create some more margin in my life. Because when I have margin, I can add value to people and represent God the way that he wants me to. If that's you today and you're saying, hey, this is just hitting home, just raise your hand with me as we pray this closing prayer. God, I pray for every person in this room that they can take your word today that's been planted in their hearts and, and, and that we can really live it out. God, you never intended us for us to work seven days, 24-7, 365, just without any breaks. You never intended us for us to always be connected to this world. You intended us for us to be connected to you. Connected to you. And so I pray for every person in this room, including myself, that we would have a hunger for your presence that is just so great. That we would desire to be connected to you more than anything else in this world that our connection with you is what's fueling our motivations and our ambitions. God, that we could stop the constant push for more for our own benefit, and we can join you on a mission of sharing the gospel with a world that desperately needs it. God, help us in Jesus' name to create the kind of margin in our lives where we can be more energized, more filled up, more filled with your spirit, more ready to do the work that you called us to do because we're leaning on you. Help us in the mighty name of Jesus. We invite you 
to lead our schedules and to lead us in our life. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.